it has been a season. I've hugged my son. I hugged my son, but I wanted to hug your son. Oh goodness, I've cried about our future. I had complicated feelings and arguments about marching in a pandemic. And I literally tried to meditate away reality. I read some books. I got my senator on speed dial. But still, there is so much more work to do. That's why we're back. And this is Your Neighbor's Hood. The, the season, season of, of solutions. solutions. With Hannah and Jackie. It's been a long month. Yeah, there was so much content. We made a bonus episode. So much content. There's so much in health. Yes. There's so much under these umbrella issues. Obviously, we couldn't cover everything. No, there's no way. Even with the avenues that we went down, we don't have time enough to cover everything. And here's the thing. I think if if you've listened to What's Up Doc and you've listened to Health and Healing, you find that there are more and more and more and deeper and deeper issues and concerns and solutions that need to be walked toward when we talk about health. Yeah, and none of these problems were created overnight. So no matter how strong your white guilt is, there's no quick solution that's going to suddenly fix it. But we do have some baby steps to betterment prepared for you here. And I think one of the things that was bringing me comfort was when you shared with me the article about the AMA has declared racism a threat to public health. Hmm. So we're starting to see some acknowledgement there. Yes. But yeah, so the APA, not to be confused with the college formatting, (laughs) it's the American Psychiatry Association, one of the oldest physician associations in the country has taken an important step, which is just acknowledgement, (laughs) in addressing racism in psychiatry. Huge, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think oftentimes when we're talking about these issues and health concerns, I feel crazy. I've been told that, you, you know, this is psychosomatic. Your health would be better if it wasn't from a physician. So... They're doing, they're in the beginning process of really taking both direct actions and indirect actions towards racism racism and um, psychology. And they've issued an apology to black, indigenous, and people of color. Can I say this about this though, right? The Mm -hmm. the whole title of it is a step forward. (laughs) Because oftentimes you hear them say people of color. No, like. Which is lumping together way too many many folks. It's that other thing. Yes. It's that like yeah. it's that need to otherize. It's like, hey, white people, <laughs> we're apologizing to everybody else. Yes. <laughs> yeah, overlumping. The overlump. I completely agree. So, like, even in the title, hopefully they got got it right about pulling that out. That's an important thing to do when you say minorities, when you say people of color, of of pulling that out because goodness knows is that there is disproportionate effects. I'm not talking about the harm that is done, but there has been a disproportionate response to Black people in the racism that they face compared to other groups and a disproportionate sort of, I want to say, give a damn or like the the idea of getting over it or moving forward response for Black folks as a whole. And, And I do firmly believe the revolution that we're trying to get people going with is a personal journey 
and it's a spiritual and it doesn't matter what your faith is, but it is a spiritual journey within to releasing ourselves from all these things, all these systems and institutions, the way that they've marketed us to each other. And that's all mental. Yeah, because no one can get these objective measurements for themselves. We have to trust each other because you are never going to be able to walk into a clinic as a white woman and know what my experience is versus yours. And I'm never walking into a clinic as a black woman to be able to compare what was race and what was Mm -hmm. not race. We really just don't know that. So this apology feels like, for me anyway, just a first step to saying, all right, we can do better. Yes. And we've done wrong. Not only we can do better, but we've done wrong. Yes. And we own that. Yep. And and here's the thing that, like, I think what stands out to me in their apology, and we'll put in the notes the whole uh, apology so you can read it yourself, is that they said for people who suffered from illness to abusive treatment, experimentation, victimization in the name of scientific evidence. Hmm along with these sort of racialized theories that attempt to confirm deficit status, mean fixing the science to fit one's own theory. Whew. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's deep, but mm-hmm. it's a jumping off point. Well, I was just talking last night about Dr. Patricia Bath, who was an ophthalmologist. Okay. She was the first African-American ophthalmologist, I think, or to graduate a residency in ophthalmology. So she was carrying these two major, you know, woman and black person identities through that space. And then she went on to do a bunch of great things and you can look her up. But basically, there is something in the article that I was reading on her that said that black people were, I can't remember the number, but more likely to suffer from blindness or glaucoma. But then you have to think, well, are they more likely to suffer from it because they weren't getting treated preventatively? Like there are all these things to tease out from that information that says that we can't make these big sweeping statements because the care has not been equal from the start. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the theme through this is that care is unequal. And to quote the famous Hannah Sobel, (laughs) at least this is the first person I've heard say it, is that, you know, sometimes the care is missing from healthcare, And it has been missing more so for groups of people, other some groups of people rather than other groups of people. And and we hope that you guys have have really taken the time to see where you want to take action. That's what this episode is all about. The first step for the APA was issuing an apology and trying to find these direct and indirect responses. And I just want to acknowledge one thing. We uh, brought a lot of physicians in, and that is only one small cog in this whole big medical machine. So we didn't speak to nurses. We didn't speak to insurance companies or pharmaceuticals. You know, and I think a lot of times it all gets lumped together and then pinned on to doctors because that's who you see and that's who you're expecting to come in the room with a cape and fix everything. But they are one piece in a vast network that is all supposed to make up our care. So there's a lot of things that we didn't get to cover. Absolutely. I mean, I think when it when it all came, when it all was said and done, Hannah, <laughs> I think we both looked at each other and was like, pharmaceuticals, <laughs> insurance, damn, damn, damn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the empathy that you have for providers, at least my empathy increased a bit, like this clip. Here again, Dr. Sobel and Dr. Miles Thomas. 
What misconceptions about your job do you encounter? Um, <laughs> that our job is at times nine to five versus 24 seven, 365. That doctors make all of the money, so they should have to work those crazy hours. That doctors are not people also, so that we don't have lives outside of medicine or other concerns or own personal health issues that may need to be addressed, even though we're addressing patients first. And that we don't have any other interests outside of medicine. Like, I think one of the hardest things is a lot of people are only exposed to physicians, either one as being a patient or family members being patients, and they don't really know physicians as people. But COVID, I think, definitely has shown a lot of people's vulnerabilities, not just with our healthcare system, but this is the first time I've really seen physicians on national media crying. Something that we do very privately when things happen and we have poor outcomes, but people are really learning that this is a very stressful job, a very stressful environment, and we're just people and we're doing the best that we can, but hopefully on the other side of this, that people are a little bit more, give us a little bit more grace for some of our our nuances that are frustrating. So you increased your empathy for the stance of providers, but we're also hoping that providers are able to increase their patience and understanding and empathy levels with the people who are coming through their doors. And so one way we have to do that, this is a solution, is, ding, 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 ding. is for groups to fill out a pledge through one, two, three for equity, where you're taking steps to increase your cultural awareness and make a stronger commitment to doing better. Because no matter what you're doing, we all recognize that we have a long way to go. Facts on facts on facts. It's, an, it's really important that systems understand how they can do this work, right? One, two, three for equity is just one way that you can ask your system or organization, a medical organization, to start looking at taking that first step of acknowledgement and committing to those those sorts of actions. We did an interview with Mechbeb. <laughs> I love to say his name because I say it correctly and I love here I love cultural names to be quite honest. I used to be very afraid of him, but Mr. Mechbeb, he's a diversity and equity officer over at uh, Eastern Virginia Medical School. And he talked to us about the level of empathy and understanding that doctors need to have when they're caring for their patients. Is the diagnosis fitting their life, what they're capable of doing? I think we should hear it from his mouth. Yeah. You know, the most important thing in the, in the educational context also is not only, you know, like for them to see, there has been a lot of discussion over the years what the problem is, right? You know, like what the kind of the surface problem. You know, somebody comes to the uh, to see a healthcare professional and then, you know, like they um, have some recommendations because the person has, you know, diabetes or, you know, obesity or something. And they tell the person, oh, okay, uh, you should do more walking and exercise, you know, and then Ah, they realize that oh, the person doesn't have you know like a walkway in the neighborhood or it's not safe in the neighborhood mm. and so on. And then that's where it ends, the education itself. And then what we try to do is wise that. 
where's the sidewalk? I mean, that's the, you know, you have to kind of question that in order to understand that, you know, the absence of the sidewalk is not just a given. You know, like it's not like, you know, ordained. <laughs> yeah. It just happened, you know, by with a kind of a strike of something. It happened intentionally over time. It's all, it's our choices. Like those are, those are priorities and choices which actually made that happen. And so therefore, the question then becomes, what do you do about it, right? And then, you know, what you do about it, you know, like there are small and big things. So the, the small things might be, okay, now you, you are more sensitive in terms of, you know, the recommendations you have or whatever. You might, you know, try to intervene in some way, you know, like to actually have advocate, make, you know, like something happen in the neighborhood. But you have to go deeper than that. If it's like really an ingrained problem that you have had for a long period, uh, then there is, you know, like then there's more needed. There's more needed. And those are the areas where you actually find people to be receptive to, to situations that need change. But you know what, Hannah, I never thought of that, of when I get recommendations from my doctor, do they really know that whether or not I have the ability to execute? <laughs> I don't know that that even come, would come across their mind. Well, does that lead us to personal care and advocacy? Yeah, but so I think it's also important talking to your resident doctor about it, saying, oh, you know, I'm offering these things. And if it's not going to work, I think there's a level of empowerment, at least is what we found, I think, throughout these episodes, is that there is a level of care that we have to have for our care and a sense of authority that we need to have when we're trying to have these conversations with physicians, even though it's tough, because I've always I mean, I think when I walked in a room with my healthcare provider, it felt weird you know, like to tell them like, that's not going to work because it feels like they are supposed to be the expert in the room and you don't want to challenge that. Also, I don't want you to do nothing grimy to me because I <laughs> made you, I don't want you to do anything crazy. And I think it speaks to my personal journey with healthcare is my distrust of physicians. Um, but I really can point back to the fact that I don't like when people paint black people with a broad stroke. And I'm sure that physicians don't value that same thing. Right. That my horrible experience with one is not going to be the same horrible experience with another. Right. So I need to continue to tell myself that I am trying to do what's best for me and I'm going to advocate for my care. Yes. That's hard, though. That's hard. So actually, Dr. Miles Thomas gives this as her answer when asked what patients should do to get the best care. And so this is our solution number two. Here it is from Dr. Miles Thomas herself. To get the best care possible, I would say they have to take control of their own health. I think medicine of the past was very paternalistic, where someone was always going to take care of you, always follow up to make sure you did X, Y, or Z. But that's no longer possible with the current system that we have. So you have to be your own advocate in every single way. A lot of the nuances of the healthcare system, patients aren't going to understand. But I think if you are told that you need a CAT scan and you don't get a phone call, you need to call and say, I'm supposed to have a CAT scan. How can I get it? Where do I need to go? And be persistent. Uh, because it's not that people don't want to help you. 
It's that there are so many other aspects besides delivering your care that bogs the system down that it becomes more difficult to give you your care. So the best outcome you can have is if you are your own advocate and you are constantly making sure you get the care that you need or you're supposed to get. And then that leads us to solution number three, which is one of the things that keeps coming up over and over and over is representation. Mm. Yes, representation. Because <laughs> it took me 50 million years, actually, because it took me one year, three months, four days to find <laughs> a doctor that looked like me for my children. So it does matter. It does feel differently having a doctor that has been a black child before, right? Yeah. I have some conversations specifically about my child's health, and she has brought to light some conversations that I never would have thought about from the place of medicine as a parent of a black child. Right. Just wouldn't think about it. Hmm. It matters. And I think about it from the perspective of having a preference toward a female OBGYN for myself because I feel that they have experienced some of the things that I'm going to talk to them about. And so that's no knock on male GYNs or (laughs) or white practitioners. That's just to say that if you are a person who's working on rebuilding your trust in the system, then you might feel more inclined to take that step in personal care if you find a provider who fits the bill of somebody that you might trust. And so we also have a resource for you available on our website where you can more quickly find access if you're specifically seeking a black physician. You can apply that same feeling of like wanting someone that's familiar in that room with you through something that may be a very sensitive thing like your health. What I was going to bring up earlier about Patricia Bath was that she was the first African-American to complete a residency in ophthalmology in 1973. 73 is recent. Yes. I mean, all these dates... I saw last night Ruby Bridges is 66. Yeah, my mom was born then. This is all just so recent. (laughs) This is not, I mean, this is not history. I mean, it is history, but it's very recent current history that's impacting us right now. So what you're trying to say is these old problems are really new problems because they are not, they are in the not so distant past. Yes. So... What I'm also trying to say is if you're trying to get to a place where that representation has changed, because from all the people we've talked to this month, we've heard that representation is a really big deal. So if you want to financially support minoritized students getting through medical school, we have a link for you, too, that we'll put in the show notes for this episode, as well as linking them on our website. Because it costs. (laughs) Yeah. So there's three asks we have this month, just to recap them. And two of them are actions you can take. One is you can send that one, two, three for equity into all the doctors that you know in your network and hold them accountable and ask, what are you doing for equity? Number two is you can take care of yourself and advocate for yourself. And that looks different for each of us. And that's a personal journey. If you are having these conversations and you're taking care of yourself, but you want to put your money where your mouth is, then we're going to ask you to follow this link to support minoritized students going through med school. And Maybe just a bonus solution, because what the hell? Right. Uh, Bonus solution is we talked about psychology in the beginning. Yeah, 
Definitely. And we didn't talk about it enough, but that leads us to Rachel Cargill's organization, the Loveland Foundation. Listen, we know that this healthcare system has jacked black women up. <laughs> jacked them up. And, you know, we are not into staying in the trauma portion of these things, but we're into helping people push past to live with and live better with the traumas that have been inflicted upon them. And so the Loveland organization is about getting Black women into therapy, much needed, costly therapy. So this is another financial way that you can support women, specifically Black women that are unable to find themselves in therapy, the opportunity to heal from these generational wounds. And it feels really good to me when I hear stories of experiences that are not mine, probably because of my skin color, to think about the, the stress that I do carry in my life and the anxiety that I do have and what that would look like if it was compounded by issues of racism. It's so humbling to me. And so to be able to offer a commitment to some to help somebody else with that kind of emotional support that Loveland does, I think is a real gift. So if you are so called and if you have the ability to do it, we're going to link that information as well. Yes, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Do it good. Get a solution just like you should <laughs> right now. Do it good. That's right, though. Like, we should be happy to say that either this resource or this thing, this one act that I'm going to do over this next month, because I think, you know, we want to hear from you guys over the next month, which action did you take? And if the action you took was to receive from one of these solutions, tell us that. Maybe that was it. That's the personal care. Yes, I'm going to go to Loveland and I'm going to sign up to see about getting some free counseling. I'm going to take a look and ask my doctor the questions about equity or pass it on, pass this information on. I get excited for the next steps because if we're looking at this as a mountaintop, right? There are things that keep us on the ground. That are, there are things that help us start climbing, but we're not at the top yet. So these are just things that just keep us to climbing. And, and we're really positioning ourselves to be in a better place over the coming decades. We may not get to see the fruit of all these seeds that we're planting, but we're, dang it, we plant them. Yeah. One solution at a time. And this is our ask from you. We are so grateful for anybody who wants to join us to listen. That already is an act. That already is a commitment to this journey that we're on. But a lot of times, Jackie and I have these conversations together, and then we release them out into the world, and then we're left having no idea how they've landed in the ears of the <laughs> listeners or if they've landed at all. <laughs> They're still bum, bum, floating bum. around <laughs> trying to find in some ears to settle into. But we really are asking, if you're listening, that you pick a solution that you can do from your perspective in your life and then let us know about it. Even if it's not on the list. That's right. And there's a little bit more that you can do if you feel so moved. You can like. like. Right. Yeah. Subscribe and review. It's going to be offer on Zoom, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But we want you to do that because we enjoy the work that we do. We enjoy being in your neighborhood and we want to do more things. You know, these big ideas, we want to continue. So go to iTunes. If you loved one of these episodes specifically, hey, review us, rate us, let us know. Go to our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, tweet at us. Let us know what you did. We're here. Your journey is our journey because this is your neighbor's hood and you are our neighbor as we are yours. One of our neighbors that we mentioned earlier, Mr. Mechbib Gomeda, mentioned one other thing. What'd he say, Hannah? What'd he say? When you think about health and healthcare, it is really everything. And the, the health is just even like an outcome of all the, the inequities that, that exist downstream. What, you know, whether it is related to, you know, to education, related to employment, related to housing, related to environmental impacts and environmental justice, and related, you know, ultimately to actually to representation and power. Which leads us to the next thing, housing. Join us next month as we take a look at why housing is such a big deal and we're going to offer you some solutions to help fix it in your neighborhood. Let's get it. Until next time. Stay open, stay curious. And make it a great day. Closer to history. <laughs> <laughs>